We are going to jump into, back into a sermon series uh, called Hallowed Be Thy Name. We had started that earlier in the fall, looking at some of the names of God. And then through the Thanksgiving season, we uh, stepped out of that and talked about some family traditions in the household of God. Uh, so here at Christmas time, we're coming back into the Hallowed Be Thy Name series and looking at some of God's names in the Bible. And so uh, just to get us back in the, the frame of mind for this, I thought it'd be fun to do a little quiz and see uh, how much we remember. Uh, it's kind of a risky thing, but that's okay. So first name on our list is Yahweh Shalom. How many of you remember what that means? Yahweh Shalom. I am... Peace. Good job. Uh, Second name on the list, Yahweh Yireh. Uh, You might know this as Jehovah Jireh uh, or Yahweh Yireh. I am provider. Okay, Cindy was listening. Uh, Another one that we talked about was Yahweh Roy. I am your shepherd. Remember, uh, Pastor Jesse preached this when he showed that video of the kid that pulled the sheep out of the crack and then the sheep like ran and jumped right back into the crack. It was amazing. Uh, That's the best video ever. Uh, Another one that we talked about was Yahweh Rophe. Uh, You might know this one as Jehovah Rapha. Yahweh Rophe, I am your healer. Okay, and then we also talked about uh, one that might not be as familiar, Yahweh Tsuri. And since we haven't been doing that great, we do uh, multiple choice. <laughs> Yahweh Siri, I am A, refuge, B, strength, C, shield, or D, rock. How many of you say A, B, C, or D? D, D is the right answer, rock. I am your rock. <laughs> and then the last one we talked about was Yahweh Shama. And I'll go ahead and give you the answer to that. I am there. I am there. Now, when we preached on Yahweh Shama, we talked about uh, God's presence. And we said, if that name is true, if God is really there, how do we experience his presence day to day? Because a lot of Christians don't have the experience of God's presence uh, in their daily lives. So if God is there, how do we do that? And th- to summarize it in a sentence, we said, if, if you want to experience God's presence day to day, you have to look for him. Look for God in the, the uh, ordinary places, when you're washing the dishes, when you're doing the laundry, when you're filing a report, right? When you're drinking coffee in the break room. Look for God in those ordinary, everyday places. Uh, you also have to look for God in the usual places, the places you would expect to find him, like church on a Sunday morning or prayer or scripture. And look for God in the quiet places, the places that are fast disappearing in our world that is full of apps and media and content and noise, even good content, can drown out the voice of God because we see him in the quiet places in life. And so today's message is really kind of a part two to that one, Yahweh Shama. Uh, we're talking about the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The name Emmanuel first appears in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And that prophecy from Isaiah is later quoted in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 1, 23, which says this, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, meaning Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
Matthew was telling the Christmas story, the classic Christmas story there in Matthew chapter 1. And he says, all of this is showing the fulfillment of Emmanuel. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, before we get into this name and, and what we're going to talk about today, uh, let's just talk about, sometimes you see Emmanuel with an I or an, an Emmanuel with an E. What's the difference? It really, there really isn't a big difference Emmanuel with an I reflects more of the Hebrew spelling. Emmanuel with an E reflects more of the Greek transliteration. So the Old Testament was written in Hebrew originally. The New Testament was written in Greek originally. And so uh, Emmanuel with the I kind of reflects the Old Testament and the, and the E is the Greek. But they really refer to the same name. God is with us. And Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So that brings us back to the question that we had a few weeks ago in the Yahweh Shama message, if God is with us, how do we experience his presence day to day? If God is present, how can we see that he's there? How can we see that he's present among us? Um, we said before, if you want to experience God's presence day to day, you have to look for him. Uh, th- this morning, we're going to add on to that and say, if you want to experience God's presence day to day, We need to be where he is. If you want to see Emmanuel, God with you, you have to place yourself in a position where you can see him at work in your life. Uh, So you you think about it like uh, several years ago, I was traveling for work. I was at a conference and um, I was away from my family overnight and I was talking to one of my kids on the phone. He was about three years old and he was trying to show me a picture that he had drawn. And I, buddy, I can't see the picture. I'm not there. Right? If we want to see God, if we want to experience his presence day to day, we need to be where he is. Uh, now, let me, uh, before we talk about that, put one more little caveat. I know that there are times in every believer's life when we don't experience the, the presence of God day to day. Times when it feels like God is far away and distant and he might not even be hearing our prayers. Classically, historically, those seasons have been called dark night of the, the dark night of the soul. And God allows us to walk through seasons like that as Christians because he is maturing us in our faith. He is teaching us to look for him outside of some emotional experience. Because God doesn't, our our goal in the Christian life is not to seek an experience, a certain kind of experience. Our goal is to seek God. And God teaches us in the dark night of the soul how to connect with him outside of that emotional response or that emotional experience. Those are seasons that Christians, all Christians will walk through as they grow in their faith. I've walked through those seasons in my life. Um, That's not really what I'm talking about this morning. If you're not in a dark night season, uh, then you really should, as a Christian, be able to experience the presence of God with you day to day. That should be a normal part of our walk with Christ as a Christian. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we experience his presence? In order to do that, we need to look for him. And today, we're going to learn we need to be where he is. And how do we do that? Well, I have just a couple of thoughts to share with you on that. The first one comes from John chapter 15. And here it is. If you want to be where God is, abide in his love. If you want to place yourself where you can see God with you, then live in his love. This is what Jesus was teaching in John chapter 15, verse 9. He says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That word abide means to live, to dwell, to reside, to take up residence in. And Jesus says, abide in my love. How do we do that? How do we live in his love? By keeping his commandments. Now, notice that Jesus did not say, if you keep my commandments, then I will love you. If you do a really good job at being a good person and following all the rules, then I will give you my love. No, no, no. He said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. He already loved you. So he says, here's how you can live in this existence of love and joy in God. It's keeping my commandments. See, the, the, the commandments that the Bible teaches us, the things that Jesus taught us, aren't just arbitrary rules because God doesn't want us to have any fun and he doesn't like the way that we want to live our lives. No, the commandments in the Bible are God's path to living in the love and joy that he provides. He says, if you, there's this whole universe of love and joy in God, and if you want to live in that universe, here's the way that you do that. Here's how you get in there, and here's how you stay in there. Abide in his love. Now, what does that mean to live in Christ's love? Well, here are some questions we can reflect on that will help us assess this in our own lives. Am I living with God, or am I living for God? Because those aren't the same things. I can live with God. I have my life. And I want Jesus to come along with me on my life. But my life is still for me. right? Or I can live for God. Where my life isn't for me anymore. My life is for him. And whatever he calls me to. And there's a difference. And if we want to abide in his love, we need to stop living with him and start living for him because they're not the same thing. We might put the question this way. Am I bringing Jesus into my life or am I bringing my life into Jesus? Right? Those are different kinds of faith. One says, I still have my life and I want Jesus to come along with me on my life. I want to bring Jesus into my life. And the other says, I don't have a life anymore. It belongs to him. I'm bringing my life to him and I'm giving it to him as a gift, as a sacrifice of faith. Another way we could ask this is, what brings me the greatest joy? Or what makes my life a success? Jesus said that he's ta- he taught us to abide in his love so that his joy would be in us and our joy would be complete. Does the source of my joy come from anything other than the love of Christ? Does the measure of success in my life count anything other than the love of Christ? There are lots of good things in life. Getting a good scholarship, landing a great job, helping my kids become successful. Those are great things. 
but they are not the measure of success in our lives. If they are, we're not abiding in the love of Christ. We are bringing Jesus along as we pursue our own endeavors in life. See the difference? Jesus says we need to live in him, abide in him. Essentially what, we're, what he's teaching is that we need to find our life in Christ. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 10, 10, 39. He said, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's what it means to abide in his love, to find your joy and your source and your life itself in Christ. That's the first step. If we want to be where God is, experience his presence day to day, we need to abide in his love. The second point for the morning is this. If we want to be where God is, we need to go where God is. If we want to place ourselves in a, in a, where we can see God, then we need to place ourselves where God is at work, where we can see him at work. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, Jesus is teaching about the final judgment. And he says this, Then the king referring to himself, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it to me. If we want to see God at work in our lives, we need to go where he is. And where is he? He is with the hungry. He is with the poor. He is with those who are forgotten. He is with those who are alone on Christmas. That's where he is. And and, and we can sit in our comfortable homes with our matching PJs and our fireplaces going and our hams cooking in the crock pot for Christmas dinner and we can enjoy opening scads and scads of presents. And those are good things. But if we want to see God and experience him at work, we need to also go out to where people don't have ham to eat on Christmas Day, where they're not sitting around with family opening dozens of presents, right? Where where they don't don't have the the joy. They don't have a, a fireplace. They don't have matching PJs. They might not have any PJs. Right? They don't have all of the, the blessings and all of the material things that we so much enjoy. Christmas is not a, a season filled with laughter and joy and hope. It's a season of de- despair and depression and substance abuse. That's where God is at work at Christmas. And if we want to see him at work, we need to go where he is. If we want to experience his presence, we need to be where he is. We need to serve the least of these. Some points can be explained, but they might be better illustrated. So I wanted to uh, share a a story with you from this book, Praying the Names of Jesus by Ann Spangler. This is an excellent, excellent book on some of the names of Christ that are revealed in Scripture. I would highly recommend it, Praying the Names of Jesus by Ann Spangler. Um, And she has this story in here about the name Emmanuel and what it looks like to be the presence of God to the least of these. 
Here's the story. Randy Frame was part of a team of journalists and business leaders invited to Haiti in the mid-1990s to view its problems close up. Trained as a reporter to maintain his distance, Randy wasn't prepared for what happened on the last day of the trip. That day, the group visited La Quay Espoir, the House of Hope, a refuge for starving children who were cared for by a small group of nuns. As Randy entered the two-room structure, a nun by the name of Sister Conchita approached, offering him the child she cradled in her arms. Reluctant at first to take the child lest he violate his role as an objective observer, he finally gave in, deciding it would be rude to refuse. Her name is Maria, the sister said with broken English and a quiet smile. Randy Frame wrote later, I took Maria into my arms gingerly at first. She seemed so fragile. I could practically see the skeleton beneath her skin. Only her eyes seemed to have escaped the circumstances of her young life. Her eyes were deep brown and as shiny as any healthy child's ought to be. She focused them not on me, but on Sister Conchita. It was clear I was second string. Perhaps my arms were not as soft or comfortable, yet she didn't cry. Maybe she was too weak to protest being held by a stranger. Or maybe she was glad to be in anyone's arms. How could I tell? After they left, Randy's tour guide explained that on average, one in four of the children in the House of Hope die because their internal organs are too damaged by the time they arrive. You can spot the ones who won't make it, lethargic, with pale, rigid skin. Their hair has a reddish hue. She could have been describing baby Maria. Despite being warned about the danger of venturing out alone in Port-au-Prince, Randy left the security of his hotel that night to make the two-mile trek back to the House of Hope. When he found Sister Conchita, she was still sitting on her rocker with Maria in her arms. He writes, As I approached Sister Conchita, she stands, sensing exactly why I have returned. She says nothing but offers me the child and also her chair. I have arrived at the place where I want to be. And as I live out what I'd earlier in the day envisioned, I am suddenly and fully aware of my weaknesses, my limitations, and aware also of the limitations and shortcomings of humanity, which has somehow failed this child and many others like her. I am utterly powerless to determine whether this child who bears the image of God will live or die this night. But I do have the power, the complete power, to make certain that if and when her frail body finally yields, she has felt the security, the comfort of someone's loving arms. Tonight, they are my arms. It's the least I can do for her and perhaps also the most. Her weak but gracious eyes look up to mine and hold their gaze. And in the sacred silence of this moment, there is no other power I crave, no other purpose I desire. That is Emmanuel, God with us. And when we love the least of these, Not only do we experience the presence of God, but we become the presence of God to them. I want to wrap this up by sharing a resource with you. I I looked up this uh, week some areas, local volunteer opportunities where you can serve 
those who are in need this Christmas. And I know that there are a lot more than what I could fit on a half sheet of paper. But copies of these are on the little gray table as you're walking out at the sanctuary. Um, these are just some local places, Salvation Army, uh, Start, CareNet Pregnancy Center, Anchor Sober Living, uh, Food Pantries, Scotland Retirement Home. Uh, and there are many, many other places. There are Ukrainian refugees that are being resettled to Stoughton that need help and love and support and encouragement. Um, the Senior Center. There, there's a lot of opportunities. Um, and so I just wanted to give you a place to start with this. But I would encourage you this Christmas season, sometime, let's get out and go where God is so that we can abide in his love and become his presence to those who need him most this Christmas. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for sending your son. Jesus, you became one of the least of these. There's nothing more humble than a newborn that is completely and totally and utterly helpless. And you became helpless for us. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. And Lord, as we go out this week, I pray that you would be with us and that you would stir deeply in our souls to go and take your love to others who need it. And as we do that, would you manifest your presence in and through and with us as our Emmanuel. In Jesus' name, amen. Go this week and may the Lord be with you.